Entrepreneur on Fire 558. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful entrepreneurs. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. Design projects can get really expensive really fast. Start your next design project for as little as $199. Plus, visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free. Want to talk speed? When you use MailRoute, most messages are processed in under one second. For a free trial, go to MailRoute.net and enter promo code EOF for 10% off the lifetime of your account. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Bob Berg. Bob, are you prepared to ignite? I am prepared to ignite. Yes. Bob is a sought-after speaker at corporate conventions and for entrepreneurial events. He regularly addresses audience ranging in size from 50 to 16,000, sharing the platform with notables including today's top thought leaders, broadcast personalities, Olympic athletes, and political leaders, including a former United States president. I've given our listeners just a little overview, Bob, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to know a little bit more about you, and then give us an overview of your business. Well, I've been speaking and and writing now for a little over 25 years. I come from an entrepreneurial background and uh, have my previous experience was in sales and uh, in broadcasting before that. And uh, really the the different parts of my business, the the different parts of the business model, if you will, there's the speaking, uh, there's the writing in which I, I publish books. I really don't publish books myself so much as much as go through a publisher uh, uh, at this point, but I have in the past uh, published my own books. Uh, the uh, the reason I write at this point is not only because hopefully I have something to say, but it also supports the, the other aspects of the business model. Really, all of them uh, work together in conjunction. We also have a an online, or not online, but a, a membership community, a paid membership community called Go-Givers International, which is a lot of fun, which we've been uh, focusing a lot on building. We have certified Go-Giver coaches and certified Go-Giver speakers. And so all these model, all these parts of the model mesh to build one another. I sort of look at it as a, uh, if you make the comparison to boxing, when you throw a left jab, uh, the the intention is not only to hit the target and to leave yourself protected, but also to have yourself set to throw the, the right hand. Uh, when you throw the right hand, not only are you doing that to leave yourself protected, but to put yourself in the position to throw the left hook. So everything we do in the business is designed to support the next step. So, Bob, I'm really excited to dive into your latest book, Adversaries Into Allies. But before we do dive into that, I always start Entrepreneur on Fire off with a success quote because we really want to get that motivational ball rolling and get Fire Nation just really pumped up for this content. So take it away. The quote I've probably come most known for uh, since since I've been speaking is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Now, with the new book, Adversaries into Allies, which talks about ultimate influence, I would add to it and say all things being equal, people will do business with 
refer business to and allow themselves to be influenced by those people they know, like, and trust. Powerful, powerful stuff, Bob. And one thing about your book, Adversaries into Allies, is that you talk about disagreements and you talk about, you know, the friends and the enemies concept. So, you know, I, I can be a controversial person. I like disagreeing with people. I like playing devil's advocate. And sometimes people can take offense to that. So share with Fire Nation now, when somebody disagrees with you, are they your enemy? Well, no, it's not necessarily that because someone disagrees with you that they're your enemy or that somebody is is denying you something that they're your enemy. Uh, when we say adversary in in the uh, context of, of this book, we're simply talking about someone who, for whatever reason, is standing in the way of, of your personal satisfaction. It could be purposely, but it could be it's, that it's just a, a matter uh, of the situation. It could be that customer service representative who is, uh, you, you need to return something and they have a policy. There's no returns without receipts and you don't have your receipts. So you're going to have to, and this person hasn't been empowered to, to deal with you in a way that's going to help you. You need to be able to, uh, to be able to work with this person in a way that does not offend his ego, does not, does not cause him to re- or her to resist you, but will, uh, help to persuade that person, or it might be the the uh, prospective customer who keeps giving you the same objection time after time, even though you feel you have answered it correctly. So it, it really doesn't mean the person's an enemy. I, I like to go back to what the great uh, Japanese home run hitter Sadaharu Oh used to say, and I, I love this. Uh, and he was such a profound home run hitter; they used to call him the Japanese Babe Ruth. Uh, uh-huh. And he used to say that he never looked at his at the opposing pitchers as his adversaries, but rather as his partners in hitting home runs. And in that same way, I look at our adversaries simply as our partners in helping us to attain personal satisfaction while we help them to feel good about the situation as well. Now, when you talk about playing devil's advocate and, and disagreeing with people, you know, what I would say is that if you're doing it for the reason of upsetting them or annoying them or getting a negative reaction, well, then, you know, you've simply got to ask yourself first, what is your purpose in doing this? What's the end game? And and if it's something that, that serves your best interests as well as theirs, then, you know, obviously that's fine to do. As, a, as an interviewer, you need to sometimes take that, that uh, contrarian <laughs> approach. But if you don't feel that that helps you to as Dale Carnegie would say, win friends and influence people, and you want to win friends and influence people, then then you might take a different uh, tack. (laughs) Well, Fire Nation, you are in for a treat today. You have just seen the tip of the iceberg that we're going to be diving into with my man, Bob Berg here. And for those Fire Nation faithful, you might remember back in May of 2013, so just a little over a year ago from when this interview goes live, we had Bob on where he shared his amazing journey. So if you want that traditional entrepreneur on fire interview where we really dive into Bob's failures and his aha moments and his current successes, eofire.com slash Bob Berg will get you there. But today we're focusing on adversaries into allies because this book had a profound effect upon me. And I know that Fire Nation, if you really take this in about what we're going to be going through today, it could also have a profound effect on you. And Bob, one thing that came up time and time again was the word influence. It's used a lot throughout your book. Talk to Fire Nation about that word influence and why it's so important. 
Well, on a very, very basic level, influence can simply be defined as the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action. And while that definition works, I don't think that's the essence of influence. Influence really is is pull. You don't hear people say, wow, that John, he is so influential. He has a lot of push (laughs) with people. Uh, No, he has a lot of pull because that's what influence is. It's not pushing yourself or your ideas on others. It's not being pushy. It's not trying to coerce people. Great influencers have a lot. Great influencers pull. They they attract people to themselves and to their ideas, and they do this again through pull, which is the opposite of of push. And this pull we're talking about as a part of influence, is really a very legitimate form of power. Power being the very opposite of force. Force is control. It's manipulation. It's intimidation. It's compliance. It's often the um, uh, a, a function, if you will, of positional authority, right? In, in, in leadership teaching, they call it positional leadership. The person has a title, uh, manager, supervisor, department head, or, or even employer. And let's face it, you know, there are times when even someone with only positional authority can still compel someone to do something. The employee knows if they want any chance for advancement, promotion, or raise, or to not be punished or disciplined or fired, they need to do what they're told. But again, What is that? That's compliance. And the challenge with trying to lead or persuade or influence through compliance is that typically at best, the person's going to do exact, and this is at best, they're going to do exactly what they're told and not one bit more. At worst, they'll find a way to sabotage the process completely, um, consciously or or unconsciously. The opposite of compliance is commitment. And as an influencer, when you can gain people's commitment, that's a whole different story. And this commitment, and this I think is so key, this commitment is attained when influencers not only understand but embrace what I believe, what I believe Dale Carnegie's most profound statement in his wonderful, wonderful classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People, was. And that is that ultimately people do things for their reasons not our reasons. So the great influencer constantly asks themselves questions such as, how does what I'm asking this other person to do align with their goals, their wants, their needs, their desires? How does what what I want this other human being to do align with their values? And when asking ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, uh, and genuinely, authentically, not as a way to manipulate another person into doing our will, but as a way to help build them as we help ourselves. Now we've come a lot, uh, we've gone a lot further to earning that commitment. And there's such a huge difference between the two. One of my great mentors, Dondi Scumachi, who, who teaches and speaks and writes on leadership and influence and team building, I love what she says about this. Dondi says, Compliance will never take you where commitment can go. And the great influencers, they know they accomplish great things only with others. 
And, and the best of them know that when it comes right down to it, it's never about them. Great leadership is never about the leader. Great influence is never about the influencer. And great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. So who is it about? It's always about the other person, that person whose lives you choose to touch, that person whose life you choose to add value to. Influence is important because unless you, you, know, you can have all the great skills, all the great talents and even high character and you can be hardworking and charitable and, 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 uh, and have a great mind for business and a knack for numbers, all these terrific traits. But if you can't influence others, if you can't move them to the appropriate and desired action, then your chances for success uh, are simply very, very limited. Wow. I mean, Fire Nation, what did I tell you? The tip of the iceberg, and now we are just getting into a gold mine. And Bob, when you started talking about influence, you mentioned the word manipulation. I want to dive into that because during your book, you talk about this difference between persuasion and manipulation. And I would love for you to speak to that, to Fire Nation. Sure. And it's an important question because let's face it, if influence is simply is simply defined as moving a person to a desired action, uh, then you've got to, we've got to, to know as human beings, it can be done two different ways through manipulating another person and through, I should say, or through persuading another person. The two of them, I believe are cousins. Now one's the evil cousin, that would be manipulation, and one's the good cousin, that would be persuasion. But both uh, manipulators and persuaders, they both know um, how people genuinely can be moved to action. They, they understand human motivation, if you will. And they can both, uh, they can, they can both elicit immediate Action, but that's really where it ends. First, let's look at what the difference is between the two. And and I never felt I did a, a great job of explaining it until I read this book. It was written in 1987 by Dr. Paul W. Sweats. The the title is The Art of Talking So That People Will Listen, though it was much more about listening than it was about talking. It was a brilliant book. And I thought he did a wonderful job of explaining the, the difference. And, and, and what he said is that Manipulation aims at control, not cooperation. It does not consider the good of the other party. It typically results in a win-lose situation. In direct contrast to the manipulator, the persuader seeks to enhance the self-esteem of the other party. The result is that people respond better because they're treated as responsible or, as we might say, response-able self-directing individuals. So I believe that what Dr. Sweats was saying is that it begins with intent. The manipulator may not be trying to, to hurt this other person or cause them harm, but, but if they do, they, that's acceptable to them because all they care about is getting what they want. They're very what we would call I-focused or me-focused. With a persuader, that would never happen because for a persuader to feel good about the situation, they have to know that the other person benefited from, from it as well and feels good about it as well. Now, what I uh, originally said just a few minutes ago was it begins with intent, and I believe it does. Uh, but that's not where it ends because where both the 
manipulator and the persuader can elicit short-term action, it ends there. Because once you know you've been manipulated by someone, you're going to do your best to avoid this person, resist this person. Even if you have to do business with them or work with them, you're going to, you're, your guard is going to be up all the time. The, the trust has totally been broken. With a persuader, you know, you feel so good about the relationship with this person and, and what happened last time that, you know, with, that it's, it's very easy for them to have you buy into what they're asking because you know they've got your best interest at heart as well. So I, I always say that a, a, a manipulator can have employees, but very rarely a team. A uh, manipulative salesperson, and we, we see them so uh, every so often, of course, they can have a, uh, they can make a sale, but very rarely have a happy customer and very rarely uh, a, what I call a personal walking ambassador that giving them referrals. And you know, a family member can certainly have a, uh, a loving family, but it's often not a very functional family. So manipulation is, is not good for business and it's not good for, for generally all areas of life. It's much more profitable and a lot more good feeling to be a persuader, not a manipulator. Great insights, Bob. And we're going to take a minute to thank our sponsors. Managing your inbox is not easy. Trust me, I know. But it's not just the quantity of messages you receive on a daily basis. It's also what's in them. Luckily, I have systems in place to help keep unwanted spam and viruses out of my inbox. But I also have a lot of other things to worry about when it comes to protecting my business, which is why I have an email filtering system that works for me. Not that I have to work for Ever heard of MailRoute? MailRoute gives you maximum control over your email, making it possible to blacklist, whitelist, and tweak your filter settings without ever having to log into an interface. You can just do it directly from the notifications you receive in your inbox, making it quick and easy to manage any type of email setting without a major disruption. To check out everything MailRoute has to offer, go to MailRoute.net to sign up for a free trial. Plus, when you enter promo code EOF, you'll get 10% off the lifetime of your account. That's MailRoute.net, promo code EOF. I often talk about taking that entrepreneurial leap, the things you need to do to get started. At 99designs, you can quickly get the designs you need in the beginning. A logo, website design, social media images. Oh, and have you considered email marketing yet? Email may seem like Twitter's older, less attractive sister, yet surprisingly, it remains one of the most cost-effective channels to connect with your audience all around the world. It can efficiently hit a huge audience and produce quick results, when done right, of course. Do you need an eye-catching email for your next campaign? The community at 99designs can create a custom design just for you. For just $299, you'll get about 20 designs to choose from, and your happiness is 100% guaranteed. What if you could start your next design project today and have dozens of designs to choose from in just seven days? You can. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free. So Bob, Fire Nation typically listens to Entrepreneur on Fire episodes at two times speed because they can still get all the content and they can listen to more episodes that way. But I can tell you with certainty that I have a number of listeners right now that are taking it down to 0.5 speed because there are so many nuggets that you're sharing here. They can't write them all down on time. So Fire Nation, go back. You can listen to this as many times as you need to. 
And this next part, Bob, was really impactful when I went through it. I really want to try to do it justice here, even though this is a shorter interview. I still want to talk about the five principles of ultimate influence. Control your own emotions. Understand the clash of belief systems. Acknowledge their ego. Set the proper frame and then communicate with tact and empathy. Those are the five principles. Can you go through those, Bob, and share with Fire Nation the golden nuggets with each? Control your own emotions is where it all starts, John, because uh, as, uh, until, unless you're in control of yourself and your emotions, uh, it's only then that you're in the position to take a potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a, a win-win for everyone. As human beings, we're emotional people. We're driven by emotion. We like to think we're logical, but the fact is we make many decisions, even major ones, on emotion. Uh, and, and this also has to do with how we will allow our feelings to be hurt. We will allow ourselves to become angry or mad or frustrated, what have you. And when our emotions are controlling us like this, we're simply not in a position of strength. The, uh, I begin the, the, the book with a quote from the sages, who is a mighty person, that person who can control their emotions and make of an enemy a friend. Now, with this in mind, please understand I'm not saying that we should lose our emotions or we shouldn't be emotional people. Um, emotions are part of what make life fun and, and worth living. But as, again, one of my mentors I mentioned earlier, Dondi Scumachi, says, by all means, take your emotions along for the ride, but make sure you are driving the car. And that's key. When we talk about understanding the clash of belief systems, what is a belief? Well, a belief is simply a subjective truth. It's the truth as we understand the truth to be. It's not necessarily the truth. It's our truth. Now, sometimes our truth is the truth, but not always. But because of our belief systems and the power of emotional beliefs, uh, we think it's, it's the truth and we assume it is. We're also subject to a... Uh, an operating system, an unconscious operating system that has been programmed into us just based on uh, living our lives from the time we're little kids. It's, it's a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, uh, popular culture, cultural mores, everything we touch, taste, see, hear, and smell. But you know what? By the time we're little more than toddlers, our basic beliefs or operating system is pretty much in place. And after that, everything is built upon that premise. Are those beliefs serving us? Well, probably some of them do, but not necessarily many of them because they're unconscious in nature. We're not really thinking. Well, right. this person whom we're about to have this difficult conversation or transaction, they live their life based on their belief systems, which are also unconscious. Now, let's take it one step further. We all, as human beings, uh, believe that everyone else sees the world the same way we do. How could it be any other way? It's all we know. So that's why you hear people say things like, oh, everybody likes that, or nobody feels this way, which, of course, isn't true. Or if you've ever said or heard someone say, and I know I've said this, certainly, oh, I would never treat someone like that. Well, no, we wouldn't, because it's not our belief system. But but others have different belief systems. So what we need to know is not necessarily understand their belief system, but just to, just to understand that theirs is probably a lot different from ours. And when we do that, 
Now we can create the environment where we can work within that for a winning situation. Uh, and when we talk about acknowledge their ego, obviously we need to acknowledge ours, but we'll assume we do that. Of course, I talk about that in the book as well. But really what's key is understanding that about 95% of, of eliciting agreement from someone is based on how you make that person feel about themselves. If you can make another person feel good about themselves and good about you, and remember, it has to be in a genuine, authentic way, you're much more likely to succeed. Uh, setting the frame, set the proper frame. What is a frame? Well, a frame is simply the foundation from which everything else emanates. Uh, I tell a story in the book about a little boy, a little toddler, who was walking toward his parents at a Dunkin' Donuts store, and he fell. And he didn't really hurt himself, but you could tell he was surprised by what happened. He knew that wasn't supposed to happen. So what did he do? Well, he looked at his mom and dad for their response, for their interpretation of the event. I, I really believe, because he could have gone either way in terms of crying or, or whatever, had they panicked or gotten sad or, you know, oh, no, my poor baby. I think he would have started crying, but the, the parents handled it beautifully. They they smiled and they clapped, right? And they, oh, that's a good trick. And, oh, that's it, right? So he started laughing. Well, what the parents did is they set a, a, um, a very workable, positive frame from which he could operate. And we need to do that in our daily interactions with people. What we also need to be able to do is reset another person's already negative frame if they come to a situation uh, in, in that way. And then communicate with tact and empathy. Uh, you know, really, what it comes down to it, it's what it's all about. Because the other four, you need them. But if you don't speak to others in such a way that they are open and accepting of what you say because you're speaking with tact, because you're, you're, you're speaking with empathy, it's all going to be for naught. In a sense, you know, my dad has always said that he's always defined tact as the language of strength. And when it comes down to it, it, it takes a strong person to speak with tact. So, Bob, that was the Reader's Digest version, because I can tell Fire Nation that you go into incredible detail and explanation that my understanding coming out of there was very powerful. And there's one, one thing that I really want you to put into words. There's this one question that you share that you can ask that pretty much guarantees to keep a potential misunderstanding from ever taking place. Tell Fire Nation what that question is. Oh, it, it's deceptively simple. And it has to do with belief systems that when we say a word, we may interpret it different ways. So we just need to make sure the person defines their terms. Uh, and, and so it could be as simple as you know, John, when you say X, um, are you thinking of a particular day or time? Like, you know, when you, uh, like John, you say to me, uh, we need to have this done as soon as possible. So I might <laughs> say, John, when you say as, uh, just for my own clarification, when you say as soon as possible, is there a specific date you're thinking of? That way, you know, if you look at as soon as possible as being right away, and I come from a background or a formal work experience where as soon as possible means once the current project is done, well, there could be a misunderstanding. You know, if, if you say, hey, let's meet tomorrow night at five o'clock at, at the uh, at the beach. And I say, OK, so at five o'clock, I'm at the uh, and I cite this example of the book. I'm at I go to that place on the beach where everybody meets right at, at the end of the day. 
and you're not there. And I said, John, I can't believe it. You said five o'clock and you weren't there. He said, yes, I was. No, you weren't. Yes, I was. Not. Well, it turned out you went to that new restaurant called The Beach. And I was at The Beach, the one that's near the ocean. Now, that's, you know, kind of a silly example, but really it is as simple as that. What we tend to do is we see the world through our eyes or our belief system, and we assume that what we mean is what the other person means. So we need to not assume that how we define a word or a term or a thought is how the other person does it. It's it's as simple as just asking that person to define what they mean. But you've got to do it in a a kind and tactful way, saying, well, what do you mean by as soon as possible might make that person feel defensive. But if you say, just for my own clarification, when you say as soon as possible, is there a, a, a specific date you're thinking of? Now you've, you know, you're going to get the right answer. So Bob, here at Entrepreneur on Fire, I do a seven day a week podcast. I speak at conferences. I'm creating products and services for Fire Nation. You know, I'm running Podcasters Paradise, Fire Nation Elite. I have all of these things that are taking up so much bandwidth and I'm always getting reached out to by other people, you know, to participate in this and to participate in that. And to be completely frank with you, it took me a long time to learn how to say no. And I can say with much happiness right now, today, I am 100% on the no train. And it has freed up so much time, so much energy, and so much effort that I can't even say the greatness is done for my business. But as human beings, we have such a hard time saying no. Why is that? And how do we overcome that? That's a great point. Most of us, I I think, to a certain degree, are people pleasers. And why not? We want to be liked. We want to come through for people. Uh, And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, providing that it doesn't keep us from doing what we need to be doing and not doing what we really shouldn't be doing. And so we need to be able to say no a lot more than we say yes, because it's only when we say no to what we should say no to that we can say yes to what we should be saying yes to. And I know you're busy. You're all over the internet. You're all over the place. You can't go <laughs> day without seeing something that you're, you're doing, and you're doing a, a fantastic job with it. And because of that, you've got a lot of people who want the, some of your time. So you've got to be able to say no. There are two ways most people have learned to say no, and I think both of those ways are very counterproductive. The first has become very, very politically correct over the last few years. I see people teaching this at seminars. I see famous talk show hosts saying this, and that is, well, no is a complete answer. And when people hear this, they get very empowered, like, yeah, I'm just going to start telling people no. But think about that. First, it's rude to just say it like that. <laughs> Secondly, you're turning a, a, uh, a, a an ally or a potential ad- ally into a potential adversary when you do that. Third, you're going to shut yourself off from from other ventures you might want to do with that person. And again, it's, it's unnecessary to, to do it like that. And of course, the biggest reason to not say no rudely is because it's it, it's contrary to your values of treating people with respect. So I don't think that's a good way to say no. The other way people do it sometimes is they'll sort of politely fib. Well, I I, I would, but I just don't have time. Well, the, the challenge with that is that you do have time. What you don't have is the desire to do the thing you've been asked to do. <laughs> you don't value doing the thing as much as you value not doing the thing. And so when we fib, we just don't feel good about ourselves. We feel rather, and here's a technical term coming up, yucky. 
And so I don't think that's a good thing. Plus, remember, the other person is going to be able to answer the objection. And then you're going to be in a position where you either have to admit that really you are kind of fibbing because you just don't want to do it. And they're going to respect you less or be kind of ticked off. Uh, or in order to save face, you've got to then accept the, accept the thing you don't want to do. So I don't think that's a good way to do it either. Instead, it's simply this. You, you just say, Dave or Mary, thank you so much. While it's not something I'd like to do, please know how honored I am to be asked. And that's it. Now, it, because remember, you were polite, you were respectful, you honored them. You didn't give them an excuse to hang on to. You basically just said, no, I, I don't want to do it, but thanks a lot. But you said it very politely. So again, it's, it, you know, Mary, uh, thank you so much for asking. While it's not something I'd like to do, please know how honored I am to be asked. Now, let's say the person one time is going to try to, you know, coerce you, if you will, into it. Not that they mean anything negative. It's just something they believe in and something they would like. And they say, oh, but we really need you to do this and blah, blah, whatever. You simply, with no defensiveness and no emotion other than, you know, uh, kindness, but uh, you'd simply say, oh, I I appreciate it. Thank you. I'd rather not. But again, please know how honored I am to be asked. Boom. You do that and stick by your guns, and I'm telling you, you will have retrained the person that when you say no, it's no. You'll start getting back emails, because you can do this by email, too. Emails or the person will even thank you right there for being so polite but honest with your response. Bob, I mean, Fire Nation in these last 30 minutes has gotten so much information. I personally can't wait to go from host to listener after I publish this episode. I can go for a jog and just kind of kick back and take it all in. Thank you for sharing this with us. And let's end by you just giving Fire Nation a little more intel about where we can find more out about Adversaries into Allies. Sure. Pretty much everything is at my website, which is Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. There's on the right hand side, there's a, a graphic of the book. If they click on that, it will take them to a page. They can get chapter one to uh, read through that first and see if they wow. like where it's going. Uh, while they're there, they can go to my, they can check out my blog. They can connect with me on social media and they can check out our Go-Givers International uh, membership community, which is a lot of fun. Well, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything that we've been talking about, how to get in touch with Bob and his website at eofire.com. Just type Bob in the search bar and both of Bob's Entrepreneur on Fire interviews will pop right up. And Bob, thanks for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Veterans, are you interested in owning your own business? Join me, Antonio Centeno, and Tom Morks, all successful entrepreneurs and veterans, as we talk about what it takes to build your own business from scratch by leveraging the skills you developed while serving your country. And you'll have the support of a community of veterans that are committed to helping you succeed. Visit HighSpeedElite.com. That's HighSpeedElite.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 